As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This podcast is making me feel This cruising overdrive and tides behind the steering wheel Cause these movies are obscene But I can't stop me from turning in Hey love, and while you're at it, how about writing us a five-star review? Maybe if you're lucky, Mike, you'll take one of you to Pound Town, or at least read it on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Paige made us watch On On the Line. Line. So, Paige, why? Well, (laughs) if you look at the dates on our computers right now, you'll notice that it is April 16th. (laughs) Yes. Which means that in just a few short days, it's It's going to be be May. May. (laughs) we did not tell mikey we were gonna do that and his reaction was genuinely that it's gonna be may and to be honest this is one that i wanted to do for a while and we would find we would try to look for it and we would have trouble finding it streaming yes in fact two weeks ago when we initially wanted to do it it was not streaming and then suddenly was streaming on some devices and then finally was on Amazon. So to rent. Yeah. To rent. Uh, so now it is streaming. This movie was panned at the time. Like, no, there's no point at which people thought this movie was good and opinion has shifted. This movie from day one <laughs> was considered bad. And then on top of it, hindsight is 2020, which has made this movie even crazier. And we got to watch it together. It was today. a magical, it was a magical day. <laughs> together today, hung over. Well, because we, yeah, we mean... were all out until three in the morning last <laughs> night. Yeah. Closing down first karaoke. Yeah. Then an, a like 90s R&B dance club. Oh, you mean Neon Wild in North Downtown Kansas City? Neon Wild? It was Neon. It wasn't super wild, though. <laughs> no, it was wild. It was wild, Todd. Wild shit wild, happened Todd. there. Not to us. To other people, definitely. I had to go to the bathroom to avoid being molested, I think. Yeah, when you decided to quickly exit, we were like, that seems like a good plan. That seems like a good idea. <laughs> but then I think Mikey almost got Oh no, you were the I was the one who got surrounded by by flatted <laughs> shoulders. And honestly, had I been a, been a single lady, I would have been like very okay with it. But because I was not, there was like just a creeping horde and I was like, "What?" And then they they backed away. I was uh peacocking too hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> if by that you mean just opening your blazer like it's a cape, like you might take it off and then like no, peacock like, fla- and flapping it. Yeah, I think the blazer. Exactly. I think the blazer was too intimidating for for the crowd. I just need like a David Attenborough voiceover to like Mikey dancing video in slow motion. Oh, Todd, if you give me that whole dancing video, I will do that for you. <laughs> I can't wait. The native Homo sapien in the wild doing his mating dance. In what used to be a laser quest. Sorry. Oh, that place definitely used to be a laser tag arena. It definitely was, yeah. And then they de- they definitely didn't change anything. They were just like, this section is the DJ booth now. They didn't change anything, Paige. They just stopped requiring you to wear the vests. Yeah, 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 yeah. There were still some dudes with guns out there, ladies. I mean, it was Kansas. They probably had real guns as well. I have my guns out. I've really mastered drunk uncle at a wedding energy. Oh, yes. out. So much. Yeah. That's not just your wheelhouse. You park the whole carriage there, man. <laughs> I mean, like that's woo. Ooh, carriage. What are we in? Quilt country? Quilt Sorry. town, USA. Okay. So about the movie, I think I don't want to say I'm going to defend this. Oh, what? Wow. Defend is a strong word. We have covered a lot of romantic movies that have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That were of the same quality that this film is. That is I, fair. Okay, I mean, this is exceptionally bad, though. But yeah, but for this to be panned in comparison to well, most of the movies we see have been panned critically. Yes. So it was bad. I don't think it's any worse than any other movie we've done. No, see, I, I, it's hilarious. I think it's more fun. I think it's bad. Okay, Mikey, I understand like what you're saying, but. We watched an 86-minute movie, and it felt like it took four days. So, like, (laughs) either this movie has magical properties... Yes. ...or it's just so bad. Like, it's not at all fun. Like, Natalie asked me, because Natalie uh, had to go home earlier, so she wasn't here to watch it with us here at Panic Fest, but she asked me how the movie was, and I told her... It was a movie that was a lot of fun to watch because I had Mikey and Paige in the room with me. If I was watching this alone for the podcast, I would have probably come in super mad. Oh, sure. That I had to watch this. (laughs) But because we were all together and making all the jokes that we're probably going to make again here (laughs) or just different slight variations of them. But like it was so fun to watch it with you guys. I would never recommend anyone watch this movie alone. Uh, Yeah, no, I would say watch this with your friends if you're planning on making fun of it that is the a hundred percent it is hilarious for that i will say also there's there are things in this movie that are bad that someone should have noticed at the time and changed a number of things but then there's also things that just knowing what we know now about lance bass joey fatone all the people in this movie there are things looking back that are hilarious because At the time, people didn't know things, and now you do, and you're like, man, there are some homoerotic undertones to this film. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. If you count the number of hot dogs being eaten and then nuts, literal nuts, being featured. There's bowls of nuts around. (laughs) We see more nuts on the screen than minutes our quote-unquote love interests spend together on the screen. There's a lot of hot dogs eating and there's a lot of nuts but I, yes. hindsight bias is a hundred percent you know hindsight bias i don't know it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> God damn mikey, you, mikey. <laughs> there there is more footage of nuts and wieners in this film than there is of emmanuel chiriqui yes and she is the romantic lead yeah yes she worked on this movie for three and a half hours She's 
not in it very much, guys. That's the joke. Three outfit changes. Yeah. And my headcanon in this movie only makes sense when you know it's taking place, one, inside of the Matrix. <laughs> Which we do have a theory on. Like, we're not fucking around, guys. We are coming hard with the, this movie right, takes right, place right. in the Matrix energy. There is kind of a green tint throughout the film. And then Lance Bass dr- dresses like... He wears the same leather blazer the entire film. Yeah. The man does not have more than one costume. <laughs> he dresses like Morpheus's nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> it taking place in the Matrix is very important for the headcanon that I had throughout the film, which is that Lance Bass's character was a character from the movie Trolls who wished on a shooting star and became human and then went to college with these three other gentlemen and continues to live with them as a troll in a human body. Mm. Does, how does that explain the fact the Lance Bass's hair changes color like four different times in this film with no explanation. Uh, troll and from magic. like scene to scene too, like <laughs> walking inside and the walking outside, two different colors. I, I have an answer. Uh, the scenes where he's with Joey Fatone, he has frosted tips because he sprinkles the troll sprinkly dust on his frosted tips. Well, and there's no way Joey Fatone is not also a troll brought to life because his hair looks like <laughs> one of those peanut butter and jelly like canisters that's mixed together. You mean like if he lifted his shirt, he'd have a jewel where his belly button used to be? <laughs> you can't prove he doesn't right now. We can't prove that. Here, Okay, I, I have a very important question that I need to ask all of you. I've done some internal soul searching, and I know my answer. Do I want to see Joey Fatone's belly button? I thought you'd never ask, but let me go ahead and say <laughs> yes. Yes. If that was being offered, I'd check it for a jewel. <laughs> yeah, why not? No, my question was, it is today-ass day. It's present day. April 16th, year of our Lord, 2023 AD. About to be May. Yeah. Now, which member of NSYNC would you have sex with today? Any of them, it's fair game for anybody. I have to have sex with one of them. One of them, but you get to choose and it could be any of them. Hang on while I Google who the fuck was who in was NSYNC. In NSYNC? <laughs> That's not Justin Timberlake. This is the easiest question for me. What? He okay, lands Bass because he know he'll know what he's doing. That's a good answer. That is a good answer, and I do feel like Lance Bass would be like a gentle, like he would he would walk me through like the first time experience of it in a, sure, in a kind sure. in a kind way, and I think that's what Mikey's trying to say. Yes, when he says that, yeah. When you rewatch this movie, it basically feels like my childhood with my middle brother. Oh, where you're just like, how did we not know? (laughs) (laughs) Can I go with a controversial outside the box pick? Yes. I'm going to go with Nick Lachey because if that news He's not an in sync. What are you talking about? That's why I said it's outside the box. It's still the same thing. That's That's too outside. That's not what outside the box means. I know that's not what outside the box means. The finale is supposed to be on tonight and it keeps getting delayed. I'm losing my mind. And I'm blaming Nick Lachey. I delayed it so he could do the recording. That was my joke, you bastard. I made that joke before this. People don't know that. <laughs> well, okay. So if I have to go with someone that was in in sync, yes. Mm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I probably JC. JC Chazé. Because I feel like he always knew he was second best, and that's gonna make him want it more. Like he'll work harder for it. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't the privileged son. Like here's the thing. I don't know that he thought he was second. I thought he was first. Oh well, the world definitely thought he was no, no, second. No, no, Todd, Todd. <laughs> I think he thought he was first. For me, Justin was first as a teenager because of everybody. But like, I just need to point out that Todd was like 
I need to think about this, but had like a dissertation about his answer, which means he's thought about this a lot before this moment. Would you, know? you like me to show you my journal entries from year of our Lord 2001? No. Show us no. the charts. Dear diary. I went on a date today. <laughs> Seven other guys came with me. There's only five in NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rachel, here are my friends, Justin, JC, Lance, <laughs> Joey, and Chris, and we're all going to go see Blair Witch Project. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know if you know, it's going to be May. Uh, it's not a date. It's not a date. <laughs> all that I do. All right, we're off the rails. We got to push it along. Anyway, as I mentioned to you guys while we were watching this film today, my answer is Joey Fatone. All day. All day. He's got a sense of humor about himself he owns a chain of hot dog restaurants i feel like we would actually hang out and have fun uh but yeah as like as a teenager justin timberlake as an adult joey fatone all yeah. the way okay if i was a woman i would pick joey fatone i feel like he's a great choice he seems very cuddly he's the one that i would like to have the be a beer with the most i think yeah that, that I feel is like absolutely we can hang true out. which i think for straight dudes is like saying yeah i'd fuck him like that's like you know, I'd fuck with Mikey. You know, like I'd go have a drink with Mikey. That's, like That's exactly not what that means for everyone else. I have to clarify some things with a lot <laughs> of people in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Joey Fatone is also the one that if you went up to him and you're like, hey, this movie is fucking bonkers he'd be like i know right like i'm sure lance bass also has a sense of humor about this but i think joey fatone would sit down and shit on this movie with you <laughs> i think joey fatone would have sat down and shit on this movie at the premiere with you <laughs> he's like look they gave me a reverse rufio <laughs> this looks crazy <laughs> This movie's terrible, but the, the boat it bought was is real fun. It does feel like it's 90,000 minutes long when it's 90 minutes long. Correct. You never really see the two romantic interests on the screen together because guess what? They have zero chemistry because guess what? He wasn't He's not into, into ladies. ladies. They, they were yeah. forcing it. it was, and that is it was so clear. Yes. Anytime they're together on screen. She, I think, is a great actress because she is looking at him like she is in it. He's the one forever. And he's just like, hey, do you want to get brunch? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how he's looking at her. Well, here's the thing. Lance Bass has not done a ton of acting since. He does a bunch of other stuff. And he, like, hosts stuff. And I feel like that yeah. goes a lot better for him. He's doing fine. Yeah. He's doing fine. But I feel like, A... You know, he wasn't really an actor to begin with. So, like, you know, when I look at, like, a Neil Patrick Harris playing straight or something like that, I'm like, yeah, of <laughs> sure, of course. I'm Neil like, Patrick Harris does a great straight. Like, he can crush that. Yeah, or, like, uh, the guy who played the priest in Fleabag or oh, the guy yeah. who plays Anthony on Bridgerton. Like, oh, yeah. uh, like, there are people who do it amazing. And I think Lance Bass is just not, doesn't, didn't have the acting chops and also wasn't out at the time. And so I think... There's a layer of like trying to hide and, and it's kind of watching it now, knowing what we know about his life. You're like, oh, this is painfully obvious. Like it's hard to watch uh, because you just watch him struggle through most of the movie. It is wild. And I think Emmanuel <laughs> Chiriqui is doing her best, but she's also barely in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have been better or worse if she was in the film more, you know? Yeah, I think it would have been more obvious if she was in the film more, but she might have carried it a little bit better because ultimately this ends up being more a movie about him and his 
friends than about yeah. the two of them. It really is about the B plot. It really is the friends pulling the prank on him or not prank, yeah. but like, you know, like really like being shitty dudes and like lying to a shitload of women in order to at least date them. But it's implied that they're like having sex with these women. Well, those women are also lying to them too. It's yeah, no, I know. I'm not saying anyone in that scenario is a good person, but they shouldn't be doing it. Like it takes two bad people to make that happen. Now, I will say I have probably watched more rom-coms involving an openly gay actor with a straight female than all three of us because That's of the Hallmark true. channel. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's their go-to. And um, I think this does a way better job than most of those movies. I mean, he, he, I think he I think he does put a little bit of chemistry in there more so than Hallmark, you know, because at the end they just, like, squeeze a hand. They're like, yeah, we did it. Well, that that's because Hallmark doesn't let people fucking kiss, and that's nonsense. But I also feel like <laughs> that's supposed to be the A plot is them, right? Yes. The B plot is his friends. Then the C plot is Joey Fatone getting a record deal. Oh, First yeah. of all, you don't need three plots in a movie that can't handle one. Like... The fact that, like, the B-plot of him and his friends gets 90% of the screen time of this movie, like, I would actually be interested to see how much it changes if he and Emmanuel Chiriqui actually, like, had more time on screen together other than, like, the four minutes or whatever they get in the movie. But, Paige, can you imagine how awkward, like, a sex scene would have been if they had one in this movie? I tell you what, I'd pay almost all the money I have to watch it. Um, I, I would, would I'd like for that. sure watch it. But like it would have been some secondhand embarrassment. I honestly, knowing what I know now, and honestly, we knew at the time it was just like this sort of open secret-ish because you could sort of tell. Yeah. Like it wasn't, yeah. and I, I largely, I just didn't care, you know, like, because it's not a big deal to well, me. It's, and here's the thing. I don't care because obviously there are actors that are amazing yeah. and pull it off and it doesn't bother me at all. Like there are sex scenes in Bridgerton season two and if you didn't tell somebody, they wouldn't know because he's amazing. And that's why I'm excited for him to be in Wicked. But Lance Bass, not so amazing. Right. Doesn't quite pull it off. <laughs> exactly. Which is why I think it makes it a little uncomfortable. And I think it's largely just because knowing now that he was like a closeted gay guy at the time. Yes. yes. Being like asked to play a straight like that. It does take out your enjoyment when you're like, yeah. How much do you think he was pressured to do this? Yes. Where he was like internally not wanting to do to it. Hide. Yeah. Yes. And that yeah. makes that makes watching it feel awful. But all of this is speculation. Like I, I don't know that he's ever said anything like that. He may have. I think he tries not to talk about this movie. <laughs> I would completely understand that. But like he may have also been like, yeah, they paid me four million to do it. I was gonna do whatever they wanted me to. Like, right. And that to me. Also acceptable. You know, like, I have no problem with that if that's the reason, you know? Well, there's there's also this element of, I think it might have been easier if the task was just to play someone who's in love with someone else. Because then, I feel like that's kind of a universal experience, right? Yeah. But the way that this movie is written, he it's not just, hey, he's a guy in love with someone and that's, and he's trying to get to that person. He is asked to be part of this very bizarre group of friends that we cannot explain how they know each other they're in the high school band together not all of them were though i think they were i think they were so even the harvard looking one yes yeah. i think he was Weird. the bass player so i think joey vatone played guitar and um mm -hmm. lance bass was like the lead was singer vocals. yeah uh, who i am gonna call 90s ben schwartz gq yes is on the drums he is 90s and, ben schwartz but like listen ben schwartz is way better but like gq 
has some early Ben Schwartz energy. Don't talk bad about my favorite artist. GQ? Little Gene Ralphio? No, no, no. I think he's talking about GQ. The best feel-good album oh, of all time. Oh, he's talking about GQ. Oh, okay. Yeah. We need to give him context. We went down a deep rabbit hole on GQ because every time we dug deeper, it got crazier, it, like when we were looking into his life. So... We have questions, GQ. If you're out, we'd love to talk to you. If you're yeah, out there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but all this to say, that friend group is designed to be kind of very broy for the time. So it's almost like not only is is he grappling with trying to play the love story, he's also grappling with this kind of faux masculinity that they're all putting on. Yes. Which is like a whole extra layer of weird. <laughs> which, just, yeah, it's real strange. Yeah. Strange <laughs> strange is the, the word I would use to... Yeah. The the themes of this movie are strange. The acting is strange. The setup is strange. The execution is strange. The music choices are strange. The costumes are strange. Which, by the way, this was my first time ever seeing this movie today with you Same. two. And I'm happy we okay. all share this together. Yes, this was quite an experience to have together. Yes, which was also strange. <laughs> to watch a troll doll grow sentience and go to high school and start a high school band and then never give it up is just what a B plot that is. But Mikey, when that troll doll was 35, pretending to be 24, he got a record deal from a guy who looked like Richie Sambora, but acted like Bon Jovi. And that to me was hilarious. <laughs> I think what was hilarious was Todd, your comment, because like we, we were out all night last night singing karaoke. Yes. And I was an NSYNC fan back in the day. I do know Joey Fatone can sing. I've heard him sing many times. Sure. Uh, we know Justin. We know JC can sing. Lance tries to sing a couple times in this movie, and I was like, oh, that's why he was on backup most of the time. But we we also see him dance at one point when he's like got the footwear on, and he can move. Like I, I was he like, can move. Okay. oh, Lance he can, can move. Yeah. I was like, I yeah. see how he got an NSYNC. Like, he deserved to be there. That's not what I was saying. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. But it was really funny for Todd to lean over and be like, I think you and I could have been the third and fourth members of NSYNC. <laughs> Yeah. given what we're hearing right now and i was like uh, shockingly i think you might be right yeah definitely should, well should we get in and talk about the yeah, story we absolutely yeah absolutely yeah let's get this in. movie and it's gonna take us about i'll say eight minutes, minutes to describe the plot <laughs> but it's gonna feel like it took four days right uh we had to take a break in the middle of watching this movie to get more snacks i don't know if you remember and when she says in the middle of this movie it was 10 minutes in it was so and then, it, and then again it. an hour in yes we did it twice yeah okay well it's hard to explain because the overall plot the a plot is this guy meets a girl on a train they barely have a conversation and he posts flyers up and becomes this with local chicago story phone number yeah what world is this that you would do that a world before the internet, basically. Yeah. And to make it even more difficult, she's engaged. Oh, at the no, end she's of this not, she's movie, dating that other she's guy. still dating that dude. Yeah, she's not. She's not married she's not or not engaged. But she. Oh still no! Wait, is no! 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 They. She does call him her her fiance. Yes. Oh God. They are engaged. Oh my! And they're still engaged because we never get a scene where they broke up. Yeah. Well, we Holy open shit. on their high school band <laughs> mm -hmm. playing. They said they were quote unquote really hardcore high school super band. hardcore but they're playing two princes by spin doctors and not well like i feel like if we gave todd a microphone at a karaoke thing and was like go do spin doctors we would get a better result than what we get on the screen here well Paige, it's probably because i've done that song at karaoke more than they rehearsed it for this shot it slaps <laughs> so like if i don't do it better that's disrespectful <laughs> to the spin yeah. doctors one, two, princes kneel before oh, I, I you. Can't, my, my that's what I shot. said now. Princes, <laughs> princes who adore you. So that song's playing, they're like, we were hardcore rock band. I was like, I don't know if you think 
those words mean what they think they mean. Yeah, they were not hardcore. No. We cut to, we see, and it's 1994 also. Hold on just a second. It's, it is, it's, it, this says they're the class of 94 because it's seven years later and it's 94 because that's the year that X-Men started, the cartoon that I'm not watching. <laughs> oh my God. But also, so ni- 94 is when Spin Doctors comes out. Uh, but so their band is playing like a school dance party kind of thing. And he sees a girl in the audience that's like his dream girl. And Joey Fatone's like, let's sing this song to her. And he chickens out. And as he does, some guy swoops in and snags that girl in the audience. Now, that guy is going to come back as a character later in the movie with a completely different story of something that happened with a completely different girl. We're never, ever going to talk about this original girl. And no one is going to connect the dots for anybody. Paige, I would love to be able to hold what I am about to say until we get there. But I cannot. And I apologize in advance. Go for it. When we realize his like villain reveal, they do it like it's a high school production. Yeah. And like the background is moving and it's clearly just people like walking in the wall set behind him <laughs> to reveal yes. whatever the next scene is. And he walks into it. And I love campy shit like that. I was so happy they they did that. It was so much fun. Well, and here's the thing. If they had just made it the same girl from the audience, it would have made more, more fucking sense. Yes. Yeah. But it's this whole other story that makes no fuck like trying to make heads and tails of who is doing what in this movie is a fool's errand. I think it's largely because your lead and, you know, his romantic love interest had no chemistry. So they were like, we need all the plots so we don't have to spend time with them. I was so confused about the reporter's storyline and why he hated Lance Bass and then also what his deal was with his girlfriend and like what his deal was overall. Like there was that's, a lot of That's questions. our fourth plot in this movie. Yeah. But also I have a fun fact that might explain a lot of this for you. Oh, there's okay. not a lot of fun facts for this movie. Huh. Um, but one of them is that the original <laughs> screenplay for the film uh, would have received an R rating, but was rewritten to be PG so it could be marketed to NSYNC fans, which explains why sections of the dialogue of this movie are rewritten as if it's a TV movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where, and I, I have it Fuck. in my notes later, but I think it's I messed up things or like... No, I messed him over. Messed him over. That's yeah. what it was. Where it's, it should be fucked him over and multiple people throughout this movie are like, you messed him over, really? And I'm like, no one says this. I like, would love to see the rated R cut of this. I would love to see everyone reshoot it exactly. Like, get Lance <laughs> exactly Bass. Exactly the same. Get Emmanuel Cherokee or everyone. Everybody, get everybody. I'm sure Joey would love it. I bet anything that this movie originally was written to be almost like an entourage. I was going to say it was the pilot for Entourage. Yes. And then they cleaned like, it up for NSYNC. It was something <laughs> like that. But like that's who I'm picturing doing it. it. It's basically the cast of Entourage in an R-rated version of this movie where I'm sure they are like Wedding Crasher style boning every girl that goes on a date with them. Hell yeah. And But instead we get this very weird sanitized version where people get messed over, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I understand, like, some people probably say, hey, man, you messed him over. But they would never say that unless they're the kind of people that would also start that sentence with, hey, my brother in Christ, you really messed him <laughs> over there. Let me tell you the only person who probably says messed them over. It's Mitchell from Perfect Match and The Circle. <laughs> oh, yes, the non-fuckboy. The non-fuckboy, because he also, he says furk instead of fuck. Oh, I like know. Like F-E-R-K. Yeah, it is like he's really dumb. It's, it really is like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's 
is so pretty and so stupid. But yeah, like what a freaking jerk back. You know, like that. That's the kind of guy that says messed over. That's the kind of guy that picks and chooses what he wants to believe. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of guy that I look at him and I'm just like, you're so beautiful, but you're going to have to wear a helmet, I think, all the time. <laughs> at least unless you're in a committed relationship. No, no, no it's marriage for him. No, then you can take the helmet off. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> this is also where we find out in the credits that all the music was done by Stuart Copeland. Yes. Which made Todd angry immediately. Well, it's largely because I hate Stuart Copeland, and I'm going to go public with my beef on Stuart Copeland. Who is Stuart Copeland? Stuart Copeland is probably one of the best drummers ever to have lived. He's also a huge dick, which is why Sting who I think is probably the most chill dude, like the wrestler. No, not the wrestler. We had this conversation last night, Mikey. This exact conversation. Literally this exact conversation. Can you tell Mikey and I were inebriated in our own ways last night? Um, yes. Anyway, so Stuart Copeland's <laughs> the reason the police broke up. Oh, he was the drummer in the police. Yeah. He also, but he's like a, whereas I am a drummer. He is a musician, so he, like, writes shit for Broadway, too. Like, Stuart Copeland does more than just play drums. The dude's amazingly talented. He's just also a dick. Like, he's the kind of guy that would go into interviews with the band he was in at the time, The Police, and he'd be like, so... How did you meet Sting? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, my bass player, Sting? No, he's the fucking lead singer of the band you're in, you twat. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I hate Stuart Copeland. He's a douche. So, like, heavy, was that trumpet player energy in the marching band? Honestly, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, I play traditional. We get it, Stuart. Oh, my big old trumpet dick doesn't fit in these band pants. <laughs> Said no trumpet player <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we cut to modern day, or at least modern day for the movie, seven years later, where Lance Bass is on his way to work at an ad agency in a horrifyingly colored, it, it's like definitely poop colored leather blazer that looks like it's a million degrees. <laughs> yeah, that he is legit wearing in every scene of this movie. They spent a lot of money on this blazer. And there's no way it was comfortable because he takes it off. Like, literally one scene from now, and you sweat through the back of the shirt. You guys may know somebody in your life who has, like, one piece of clothing that they pretty much style their whole personality around, like, a leather jacket slash blazer that they never take off and wear to all the things. I've never met anyone like this. And, you know, it just one of, that's just that kind of energy that he brings there. It's weird to me that you're trying to make fun of me for only bringing one jacket on vacation. And really, Mikey, Todd should make fun of you for wearing a blazer multiple days in a row because you thought it made you look official. <laughs> I'll be I honest with you, official. though. I wouldn't make fun of Mikey for that because he looked fucking great in that blazer. Look, Todd has like four different colors of this leather blazer. He just said he thinks it's better if you have different colors. It's not a blazer. This is a leather jacket. It is a motorcycle cut leather jacket. Yes. A jacket. A blazer is technically a jacket. This one specifically has hoodie arms and a hood with a leather like midsection. I like it quite a bit. Yes. Y Your honor, I rest my case. But I also have like <laughs> yeah. nine other leather jackets at home. I only brought one <laughs> in order to accommodate everything else I had to pack to come here. I think I think Lance had three of these blazers. <laughs> three of the same blazers. I don't have nine of the same leather jackets, Mike. No, I know you have red and white and all the different colors of the rainbow. Well, they're different styles too, baby. I'm going to settle sure. this by admitting guilt. Yeah. Because oh, no. every Everyone thinks I dress super cool and I have the same dress 
in eight different patterns. Hell yeah, Paige. No one notices because the patterns are different. But I buy that same dress all the time because it fits me great. And you know what? I wore one the other day and everyone commented online how much they loved that dress. Yeah. So that's what's up. Find something that works for you and lean into it. Just don't make it a poop colored leather jacket in hot weather because Lance Bass is shiny this entire movie. There was, okay. No one powdered him. I legit thought when he was first introduced in the scene with that leather jacket, I was like, did he get rained on? Why is he soaking wet? Because his hair is also like super gelled back. And well, because like, his hair is all gelled because it's yeah. 2001. And he's also like a little sweaty like because it's probably super hot in that leather blazer. Because leather blazers <laughs> are unbearable. And like it's leather, but it's kind of shiny. It's not as matte. And so he just kind kind of constantly looks shiny. It's matrixy. Yeah. It's like if um, the Matrix was about a CPA. Yeah. Right. Like that's the way Neo would have dressed. But also, Lance, up until this point in InSync, has always been one of the blonde ones and then is inexplicably brunette in the first few scenes of this movie after being blonde in the intro. So, like, it, this is the first hair switch we see. Then throughout the movie, his hair will shift from brunette to blonde to frosted tips to back to brunette. And it is inexplicable. I think it's very explicable if you think about this probably was shot in between other things over the course of six months. And they were just like, no one's going to give a shit about his hair. Podcasts will never exist. <laughs> you know, like, Those tweens won't notice. And they probably didn't. Like, I'm not sure I would have noticed at the time. I would have noticed. I would have noticed. But <laughs> I do think this is the best thing to ever come out of Chicago. Wow. How dare you? Deep dish pizza exists. I would have noticed. And I know this about me because as an adult, there is another actor that I follow on something else who is blonde and has started to go gray. And the other day I was like, salt and pepper looks good on him. I noticed that shit. And that's a gradual shift over months. Yeah. The fact that just like scene to scene, Lance Bass's hair is changing color is wild in this movie. Well, you got to blame Justin Timberlake because he is the hair makeup guy. Oh, wow. That is revealed at the end in the credits. After the credits. Uh, this is also Justin Timberlake's ramen hair period. Yeah. Um, does that mean something to anybody? Todd, do you not? Okay. <laughs> you got about the we got to fucking hair? talk about the ramen hair. Todd, Justin Timberlake has naturally curly hair. However, he also frosted his tips at this time, and then would gel his naturally curly hair. Okay. Now, those things combined made his hair look like a package of Top Ramen, and it has been memed to oh. death oh for God. years. Very <laughs> shortly after this, he cut his hair very, very short and has maintained basically that hairstyle ever since to a degree, um, but this is what we refer to as part of the ramen hair period. Google it. I am right now. Okay. Literally just typing in Justin Timberlake ramen image search, and it is so egregious. I'm sure <laughs> he got a cease and desist from uh, whatever company makes ramen. Marushan. Marushan, um, baby. Let me tell you, this is when I found him the hottest. <laughs> Teenage Page was like, damn, that dude is delicious, and I can't explain Teenage it. Teenage Page 
was mildly obsessed with a, a guy that went to her youth group at the time. There was a guy who had kind of similar facial features to Justin Timberlake. I like I bet if he grew up into them, they they would look kind of similar. But he had the ramen hair. Well, if you date someone with ramen hair, you have to make sure that they have the chicken flavor six pack. <laughs> you start off the date by like taking the seasoning packet and just sprinkling mm-hmm. it on top. Oh man, if you have ramen hair, you should get condoms that look like seasoning packets. Million dollar idea. <laughs> For the men of 2001. I just just want condom packets that like look like that and just like say, you know. (laughs) Ooh, shrimp flavor. (laughs) Oh no, the shrimp kind. That's the kind no one wants. Smallest size. I didn't know ramen had magnum flavor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you got steak, which is obviously the largest. Yeah, I was gonna say chicken. beef. Beef yeah. has got to be the beef big flavor one. is the largest, and then, and then chicken, chicken and then shrimp. Wait, yeah. where's pork? I think pork's in there. Don't they have a pork flavor? Pork is just wide. <laughs> I love how we are now creating a condom sizing chart based on ramen flavors, and we got there through Justin Timberlake's hair in the early 2000s. Pork is the same length as chicken, but double the width. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's right, Paige. Yeah. Someone make a chart and we'll share it on social media if you're wondering. Look, I never said I was top ramen. I'm average ramen. Hey, novelty <laughs> condom companies. If you're out there and you want to make, you want to partner with Top Ramen to make licensed Top Ramen condoms, message Top Ramen because, like, I don't have those kind of rights, but just bring it to be in the world. Yes, please. I just got a. Uh, notification on my watch that i have gone twelve thousand steps today oh and when i woke up this morning from you know when we passed out at 3 a.m i had already gone eight thousand steps so since we went to bed <laughs> i've only gone four thousand steps oh you banked your steps that's smart bro. yeah dude i got all my steps in before we went to bed last night so that included the massive amounts of air guitar oh fuck i forgot i did air guitar a bunch last night so much air guitar to the point that a guy that we did not know at one point called me out by name just pointed to (laughs) bohemian rhapsody and was just like todd take it away and we were like who is that guy but it was too late we were already Guitaring to the air. Yes. Unlike some people who karaoke, the crowd liked Todd. <laughs> they did like Todd. But Paige, can I make a joke about that guitar solo? That will I promise yes. get us back on topic? I don't need to be back on topic. I'm still thinking about the earning potential of Marushan <laughs> Top Ramen condoms. Tip ramen. God damn it. <laughs> well, if it comes to Bohemian Rhapsody guitar solos, it's gonna be Brian. Brian May, May. nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Let's get back on track. He was in Queen. I got it. Yes. He was the lead guitarist of Queen. Yes. Very good, Mikey. Very good. Uh Do you know who the lead singer of Queen was? Freddie um, Thermostat. Did you say Thermostat? Mercury. Very good, Mikey. Very good. Anyway, so this is where Lance Bass gets to work. He's kind of going through the office. This is where we meet Jerry Stiller, who works in the mailroom, who has a sweet, loving, potentially sexual relationship with the copier. Uh, We then. (laughs) Paige. It's definitely sexual. Yeah, her name is Lucille. (laughs) Yeah, and he knows exactly where to touch it to make it do what he wants it to do. I think you mean he knows exactly where to hit it. That actually is more accurate to what we see on screen, Mikey. You're right. But because it's Lucille, I just kept picturing Liza Minnelli. Just like 
flailing with vertigo like oh you you want a copy i i guess i could copy paper for you <laughs> oh god uh we anyway. didn't deserve her she's still alive we still don't deserve her <laughs> is she really still alive yeah you're thinking of uh lucille one has passed uh but liza minnelli i believe is still with us okay that's right i'm, I'm thinking of the other arrested development joke i apologize <laughs> well you're you're thinking of jessica walters Yes, you were thinking of yeah. Jessica Walters, who sadly is no longer with us. Yeah. But also, we don't deserve the other one either. I don't understand the question, and I will not respond to it. God, Jessica Walters. I know. I'm going to miss her. She oh. was a force, man. I loved her so much. How much could one banana cost? $10? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so brilliant. She was brilliant in everything she did, though. And this is not like we, we are. That's way off topic. But I love her in everything I saw her in. Buster, have you been eating cheese? I just <laughs> fucking love her uh anyway dave foley uh is like hey i'm putting you on the new reebok campaign dave foley who's his boss at the ad agency right 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 fkr or fucker agency fucker <laughs> agency along with along with a woman of color who is overqualified and underpaid and has been passed over which they literally point out in the movie page because she talks yes. about how she's like She's had better numbers. He's been in the company longer. She's all been there that for like stuff. five years. Yes. yes. Well, they add him to the quote unquote team, but it's just her. Yes. yes. And that bothered me so badly for the whole film. I'm like, they don't have a team. They have her. And then you. They have a partnership. Yeah. They, they have him undercutting her efforts. And then they try to make it seem like he's the brilliant ad exec because he says, one thing which is like for girls who choose to move and then she creates a whole ad campaign yeah. based on his one sentence she does literally all, all the work, the work. <laughs> and the movie makes it seem like she stole his idea even though she when she presents it is like we did this she does say we like when they frame it like isn't she evil for stealing his idea i was like well, no, she didn't steal his idea. She presented it as we and did all the work. Like literally all he said was for girls who want to move. Who, who, for <laughs> girls who choose to move. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And it's literally in this, this scene. He just like pushes him into a conference room and is like, make ad magic. And she's there and is like, so here's what I was thinking. These three things. And he was like, okay, what if there's chickens? Like re Bach. Read yeah. Bach. It clearly is like a ripoff of the Budweiser frog commercials. Yes. And what he needed to do was walk in there and be like, their Reeboks give you cancer. Our Reeboks are toasted. Like, that's what he needed. <laughs> oh, the Reebok stuff is so dumb. It's really, really dumb. And it's probably how they financed this movie. Oh, yeah, probably. Just product placement alone. Yeah, exactly. But he then just kind of off the top of his head is like, okay, what about like for girls who choose to move? And she's like, I guess... And then we don't see anything else about it for like 20 minutes. Yeah, at all. Which is in the story of the movie, like days, possibly okay. weeks later. Here, yeah. Here's my Reebok pitch. Do it. So I take the, the slogan that Dave Foley uses, which is like stepping into the future or whatever. Right. Because it's supposed to be like a tween thing. Yes, right. it's for their tween brand. Yeah. I would show like girls growing up with the same kind of shoes on as they go to different stages of life. Mm. I sort of love that, actually. That's really kind of sweet. Yeah, like... That's yeah. not bad. I'm going to go with uh, a woman gets up, runs in the morning, gets home, gets her kids ready, goes to the office, and then gets home at night and takes her shoes off. And it's just Reebok 
for everywhere you need to go. Yeah. I, I just don't think that you understand women, though, of like what they want from You know, Rihanna. I've never <laughs> been in a woman, so I can't empathize. <laughs> well, Paige, let me tell you what it's I like. Have. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Thanks. as Thanks an expert. Tell me what it's like to be a lady. Of being uh, in the mind of a woman, um, uh-huh. I would if just If I could say. just explain <laughs> to you what women want about their shoes. Yeah, tell me. Tell me what I want about my shoes, Michael. What shape of a shoe was I wearing last night, Michael? Flats! Flats. You were wearing flats. Specifically what kind? Golden flats. Collapsible ballet flats. Thank you. They can fold. I don't know about shoes because I'm not into feet. Yeah. I was trying to make a what women want joke because that hurt. Remember his whole thing was an ad campaign about Nike? I remember that was Nike. Well, yeah. What women want also has a fun connection to this movie because last year Mel Gibson was a, the star in a movie called On the Line where he played oh, wow. a radio DJ who had a call in who had like kidnapped his family or some shit. I didn't watch it because, you know, why would you? But that was like the premise of that movie. And I honestly wish that this had more action components in this movie. Oh, man, that would be so funny if like one of the people called the number that he put on all the posters and was like, I have her, the girl from the train. If you bring $10,000 and a giant jar of pickles to the park bench at 3 p.m., no cops. Like that, I want that. That's probably what would have happened if like it became this much of like a media circus around who L Train yeah. girl was, right? But then it would just turn out to be GQ and he would just be like, oh man, I just wanted them pickles, yo. Hey, can I admit something to you that I have been too embarrassed to admit to literally anyone else in my life? Yeah, we're a safe place. We'll never bring it up. So I have always been dumb and the first time i ever heard that chicago had an elevated train i heard them refer to it as the l the l train the l train and i was like why are you saying the the train because i thought the as l in the was l, tra- l train yes <laughs> i was way older than you think i was when i learned that it wasn't that okay well todd i'm gonna confess something right now that i was today years old when i realized that the l train was not just a letter designation like trains in new york but was in fact for elevated yeah, that yeah, yeah, makes yeah. a lot more sense yes i was just like l train c train d train a train well I, well so in a lot of like cities do have that naming yeah, structure so yeah, like, yeah, i understand yeah, yeah, yeah. why you would think that but yeah, yes i would say mine was way dumber <laughs> yours put spice on it like oh are you gonna ride the l train oh yeah mine was so dumb it definitely had a beef spice packet for sure <laughs> i get it chicago you have a train i mean i think most people who want to have a train ridden on them might want that beef spice packet mm-hmm. uh, for safety wrap that beef <laughs> Also, that pork, chicken, and shrimps. Yeah. If you've got hanging meats, wrap them up for safety. I am now going to refer to penises as, so if you have hanging meat. If you have hanging meat, wrap it up. I refuse to let you talk to me like I'm an Arby's. (laughs) Mikey's got the meats, ladies. Michael, if I had a nickel for every time I heard a man refer to my type of genitalia as Arby's related... I would be a very rich lady. So it's high time that y'all accepted that you have the meats. I don't do that because one, I think that's super disrespectful. And two, I love roast beef. I know, right? For as disrespectful as it is, 
You can't deny the resemblance sometimes, and that's okay. We just need to be okay with people having hanging meats in all different varieties. Curtains, tubes, all of it. Yeah, I don't care. I'm just happy to be involved. Like, I'm just not a vegetarian when it comes to genitalia. How about that? Yeah, I don't care either. My dick's got one eye and it can't see. Yeah, I, I'm largely eating the diet of this film, which is just wieners and nuts. Wieners and nuts. That sounds like a sexual joke, but if you've seen this movie, it is aggressively not. There are bowls of loose nuts everywhere in this. They keep their remote control in one. It's not a remote control a page. That is a oh, cordless phone. home phone. It's the phone. It is a cordless home phone. It's a, a landline That page. would need to charge, too. Like, they don't even put it in the cradle. And we get close-ups of that nut bowl so many times. It's a, it's a well-known fact that uncracked walnuts can charge a cordless phone. What are you, making orgone blasters in your basement? <laughs> Good night. Anyway, we cut to him on the train. And he's sitting with his Walkman singing out loud on yes. the train. And not in a way that's like, I know if you go on the train in New York, it's like showtime, showtime. And then people perform on the train. This is not that. No, this is a motherfucker on his commute. Yes. Just sitting next to you. And he's not holding a Walkman page. That would be smaller. He's holding his oh, it's a Discman, Discman, which is like huge. I mean, because it had to fit a CD, right? So it was like. Yeah, and it had. Do you remember the headphones that used to wrap around the back of your head? Yes. And then they like. Because I had a set. Because I would run, yeah. I, I had a set because I used to sleep in them. Ooh, that would be a good hack. Well done. I didn't think about that. Because it would sit by your neck, right? Yeah, in the crease of your neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have, and I forgot to bring them on this trip, I have headbands that have headphones in them that I can sleep in. Love it. I need to correct something because we said Two Princes came out in 94. It came out in 92. I looked it up because uh, I thought it was on Pocket Full of Kryptonite. It's not? That's the album I have it on. No, no, no. It is. It is. And that album oh, came okay. out in 91, but the oh. single of Two Princes was released in 92. Two. Okay. Um, but either way, it, that's why they were playing it in 94, like they were doing a cover of it in 94. Like, I still think it makes, makes sense, sense for the movie. I just wanted to correct when the song came out. Anyway, as he's singing, Emmanuel, like, people on the on the train are like, what the fuck is this dude's deal? And he kind of, like, stops. It does seem like it is one of those moments where he doesn't quite realize he's singing, because it's not like he's doing it very loudly. And I've done that before where, like, I was... I do that in grocery stores all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. if I am a little inebriated and I, I don't realize it and I'm like taking a video of like my best friend singing a Proclaimers song like when I upload that video to Facebook people might complain that they really only heard me singing and it's because like sometimes I'm <laughs> incapable of not singing in certain states yes I will say that I'm incapable of whispering so I'll go to like tell a secret to someone at work and then I'll look around and I have told the whole room which is like 30 people yeah I've noticed this about you so yeah I sort of get how that happened but he does sort of see the train noticing him singing and that stops him that's why I think it wasn't necessarily intentional. It is Al Green, though, because that's this, this Al introduces Green. Al Green. Yes, and because that is how she walks into his life, right? Because she uses an Al Green song to be like, hey, let me sit down next to you. And he completely right. doesn't understand that she is like, I would think being casually flirty. Like, I don't think it's like... Uh, like showing a lot of interest, but like, hey, I, I'm trying to sit next to you because I don't want to stand, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she's kind of flirty about it. I would have been, if someone did that to me on a train, I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I mean, if she had talked to me at all on the train, looking the way she does, I would definitely have talked to her more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so she ends up sitting next to him and they end up talking and they get off the train at the same stop. And this is where she's kind of like, 
here's the thing I like to do and shows him the paper plane. And then yeah. he's like, oh, I can name all the presidents. And then she just does it. And it's just like, yeah, dipshit. Anyone could do that, which no, they can't. That's a weird thing to do. And they do the last like 15 together because yes, they go through all like 43 or 44 presidents up to that point. Right. 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 Like it takes up two minutes of this 86 minute movie. That's why this movie feels like it takes four days to watch. But this is where she like just walks away without giving her name or phone number. And here's my thing. Like if I was flirting with somebody and I thought they were cool and it was time for us to part ways, I'd be like, hey, call me Instagram, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. You would like give them your name and like how to reach you if they so desired. Yes. And they don't. And here's the thing. There is not, this is pre Facebook. This is pre most social media. Although MySpace does exist at this time. Yeah. But it's not pre cell phone. No, it's not. But he chokes him choking is like a, that is a plot point because he chokes when he's in the high school band too. But here's the thing that blows my mind about this movie. He can choke all she wants. There's two people in this equation. Yeah. What, is she just not going to give him her number? Like, Well, okay, so I think they explain that because she has a fiancé she never breaks yeah. up with in this movie. Yeah. This movie is essentially uh, Emmanuel Chiriqui's character like setting up a side piece yeah. situation with Lance Bass. I think she's going to break up with her boyfriend. I, yeah, I think fiance. when he didn't come to the Al Green concert later, that's when they yeah. break up. I mean, that's when they should have broken up, but we didn't get that scene. Yeah, and this yeah, movie, again, is 86 minutes. Well, you had to cut it because there were so many more important scenes to leave in, like... The Mitch being on TRL. Yeah, that the Mick. The Mick being on TRL. Oh, the Which Mick. the Excuse fact me. that they had Richie Sambora in this movie not play himself, who is a very accomplished rock star. Like he's the guitarist in Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Like yeah. he's one of the biggest rock stars of that era. And he's playing a fictitious character named The Mick. That they never explain, by the way. It, it is never explained why or how he's there or what importance he has. The only thing is that Joey Fatone seems to think he's a fucking sellout. And then when he offers Joey Fatone a record deal, he's like, no, you've got the passion. Like, that's it. That's our only information about him. I mean, it is wild. Yeah, other than the fact that you and I are like, that's Richie Sambora. Like, that's it. Yeah, you would probably be like, I mean, most people were probably like, who is that? He's not a very good actor. How did he get that part? Well, and so here's the thing. It's Richie Sambora dressed like Bon Jovi. Yes, like. Which you up. and I both noticed. We're yeah. like, that is Richie Sambora. That's not Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. But he people. is mm -hmm. very clearly dressed as <laughs> Bon <on>. Jovi <laughs> with a wig that looks like Bon Jovi at this time. It's so strange. Wait. Wait, that was a wig? That was definitely a wig. Fuck, dude. Definitely I, a wig. I suck. I can't do any Either kind of it wig. was a wig or they bleached Richie Sambora blonde. This just in. They have canceled the Love is Blonde yeah! reunion. They're taping what? it. What? Oh They're my having, God, what? They're going to have to tape it and then broadcast it out later. I'm oh, so that's happy about that because then we can watch it, quote unquote, live. That's funny. Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's we're gonna table that. <laughs> but on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my god, guys, this actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for Factor Meal. All remains of the pod. Heck yeah. We're gonna table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. 
And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I. And it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah. And I, I struggle with proportions. And factor comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used factor meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with factor, except for right now, because <laughs> factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancing the pod 50 and use code romancing the pod 50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the I end know. of the ad. I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. <laughs> VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyway, back to this movie. We cut to a bar where, and it's the bar I think is called Open Mics because we go there a bunch. Yeah, but it's O-P-E-N. Right. M-I-K-E-S. Like yes. Open Mics. Like his name is Mike. Right. I hated that. I hated it too because I'm not open. I've been to a million and a half Open Mics that are titled like that. Of course. Because people think it's funny. It's never funny. Unless you're Open Mike Eagle, who I think is awesome. I That is one of the few people that I have seen pull it off and make it worth it. Yeah. Now, Joey Fatone is playing in a band and they're playing pour some sugar on me and here's my favorite part of this is like earlier in the movie we saw lance bass is the lead singer for their band and he was not that great he's only okay joey fatone fucking crushes pour some sugar on me right here he crushes every rock cover he sings in this movie yes yeah. and then takes like sugar off one of the tables and is just like pouring it all over himself i think it's gq chucks it at like throws Amazing. it to him and he catches it during the pour some sugar on me, obviously. And he is yeah. salt baying sugar all over his body <laughs> all while over singing himself. it. And it is not not hilarious. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, like, if you're a Fatone fan, if you're a fan of the fat one, you're like, I could lick that off. Like that. <laughs> you know? I mean, I loved it. And this is coming from someone who has opened up a Splenda packet while singing that song to do yes. during the chorus. Yes. It did not go over as well as I thought it would. Because I, did, I didn't realize it, but that is a 2 a.m. joke, not a 10.15 joke. And I learned that night. That, that's a 5 p.m. joke for me. But <laughs> like, so you're always laughing at that is what you're saying. Always. Yeah, okay. Always. It's always 5 o'clock somewhere for Paige. Oh, yeah. Always. She's here for confectionery-based humor. If, if I saw someone at karaoke do pour some sugar on me and then pull out a Splenda packet, I would lose my fucking mind. Thank That'd you. That would be hysterical. Thank you. Well, at Jonathan's in Brentwood, they were not a fan. Pussies. I would be too afraid to pull out 
my ramen packet and and you know accidentally break my protection. Um, I sang in sync's "It's Gonna Be Me." It's gonna be May. So uh, last night at karaoke, she slaps. It was amazing. Had I pulled out a ramen packet and taped the noodles to my own head, how amazing would that have been? I would have been legitimately Paige. So confused why everyone was <laughs> loving it. Because I, I listen, everyone would have got that. And I would have been, because I don't have the context of what I just learned. I'd have been like, what the fuck is Paige doing with ramen noodles duct taped to noodles. her head? I mean, that song did go over pretty well. Everyone was excited for it to be May. Yes. Just rub it in. Just rub it in that the crowd liked your songs. They liked the proclaimers, Mikey. There's a reason we didn't post Mikey's first song. Please post it. I think it's funny that I motioned to the audience and they don't interact with me. That makes it so much funnier to me. <laughs> it's really funny because Paige and I were... Okay, let's just set the scene first before we go into the story. Mikey, his first song was You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers, which I I've seen Mikey do a few times and crushes at it. He's so good. Well, let's clarify. Let's clarify. I'm not a good singer. Right. Mikey wins on charisma. Yes. And you got to get the audience on board with that charisma to be like, this in no way sounds like that song, but we're here for his confidence. I just wish all of you listeners could see Paige's face when she realized how bad of a singer I am, which is about the fourth word of the song. It didn't take that long, Mikey. Well, she froze for a second. I did freeze for a second. It broke her. And in my brain, I was just like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> But Mikey turned on the charm. Like, I even think you were crushing that song, but the audience, except for Paige and I, who were singing along and giving you a lot of love during that video. Yes. Uh, the audience, dude, when you put the mic in someone's, like, like to help sing along, like that thing, and they, did and it. they, they and just they looked did back it. at you dead-eyed. <laughs> Holy shit, that was so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> I, I didn't let it throw me off. I felt like I did good performing. Mikey, you were giving 150% and the crowd was returning 15%. Yeah, like they were the worst. (laughs) We were having so much fun last night that literally the karaoke DJ came over and said, hey, are you guys local? It would be great if you could come to all of my shows. (laughs) Well, because we were just, we were singing along with every song we knew. Because like, everyone deserves backup singers, let's go. Yeah. And and we did sing along with you, Mikey. It was just that no one else did, which got funnier and funnier as the song went on. (laughs) Please post the video, Todd. I tried, I tried so hard to get him in. I think it's because, you know, we were we were with a bunch of like of the festival organizers and, and like indie horror people and indie like, horror directors, producers, like some people who yes. were like on the come up. It was pretty cool. Yeah, right. And I decided to wear a blazer, so everybody thought I was like a square producer. <laughs> I think you mean a rectangle producer. Yeah, a rectangle. I'm more of a yeah, more of a rectangle. <laughs> You're taller than a square. Mikey. Well, Mikey, you insisted on wearing a blazer. I dress preppy. That's just who I am. Yeah, Mikey is a romancing the pod in the streets. And a horror version in the sheets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, lady? <laughs> yeah, like a professional. And then I'm like, hey, I want you to watch this movie with me. It's called Night of the Creeps. And like, it's about space slugs that land on Earth and kill all the sorority guys. And then there's a detective, and he's the best. And we're going to say, thrill me a lot. And then you're going to love it, or I have to end this relationship. No pressure. And she's like, is there also a part where the the detective is potentially going to harm himself, but then is saved by the hope of a teen? Because that happens too. Yeah. We cannot 
go into that review. We've already done that one. I'm just saying, some people get surprised with the horror in the sheets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. It's good, though, because I'm like, I do a romantic podcast where I'm a romantic movie, so I'm not afraid to watch those with you. I love scouting new movies out. Yeah. Also, I need you to watch uh, House 2 with me. There's a pterodactyl, and people shoot an Uzi (laughs) at it. And they're like, what? And I was like, but then we'll watch 50 First Dates. Bring back that sluggy flea. Oh, Paige, are you drunk? No, I'm just laying down. I'm kind of tired. (laughs) Bring back that sluggy feeling. (laughs) All right, I'm back. So they meet. She walks away. They don't know anything about each other. And now he has no way to track her down. So we cut to he tells his friends about it. And they're like, you should put up posters. Because that's like as far as they can go in tracking her down. And because you lost contact with a woman so you should treat it like you would if you would lost your dog and not do like a misconnections type thing that existed at the time for things exactly like this it wasn't super common though but also it, craigslist he, was used for a lot more than just misconnections you know what that's what i mean I, th- I was referring to the misconnections thing on craigslist like that existed at the time right they had it, the other mm, sections this is kind of early for that though oh Fair that enough. is this is early for that because this is only 2001 okay you know you're thinking more like 2000 seven or eight okay. where people would be like you were the coffee table on the side of the road and I was the girl in the velour sweatsuit trying to wrestle you into my SUV <laughs> that kind of thing um, I was at Kroger you smelled pretty I don't remember anything else about you hit me up what what Paige just pitched was essentially a serial killer misconnections yeah, yeah, yeah. and that to me is a hilarious premise well all the, a lot of the misconnections were why like some of them were like you fart like a Clydesdale and I heard yes. you one aisle over I, that yeah. one is a meme now but that's a real one that like was, that was from, a real yeah. one I remember I used to read them all the time because I was fascinated and when I moved to Hollywood it was all like like you let me uh, this is gonna get gross you let me come on your chest in the bushes behind the 24-hour fitness my name was John and you were some sort of Joe Gary or whatever Anyway, call me or meet me in the bushes if you want to do it meet again. Meet me in the bushes if you want to do it again. Misconnections were wild. But anyway, so he he papers the whole city of Chicago with his phone number and doesn't expect crazy people to call him. The thing says something like, you know, hey, I miss you on the elevated train. You were the only woman that ever got away. The only one. You were the only woman that ever got away. <laughs> Here's my number. Call me. I promise not to live fingerprints. <laughs> I just wish he could have... If they had some sort of landmark or something of significance, he could have left the posters at to quickly get noticed instead of all over the city. Oh, you mean like if they had like a place? Any significant architecture? Right. Any significant architecture at all. Yeah. (laughs) You were always picking fights with Chicagoans. Chicagoans. I I honestly don't know what's correct. Toboggans. I think they need to apologize to me. Do you know how many of these movies take place in Chicago? What? I will say a lot of movies take place in Chicago on this podcast specifically. Yeah. Well, I think of this certain era they do, I think modern day, a lot more stuff takes place in Atlanta. Yeah. Where I think it's just wherever it's cheapest to film at the time. And I think Illinois was giving film credits at the time. That makes sense. And honestly, like Chicago doesn't like play a role in the movie necessarily. It's just like the city they're in, you know? Well, it kind of does because the Cubs and everything. Well, yeah, but that could have been the Braves if it was in Atlanta. Yeah, it like, could have been. You yeah, can trade yeah. stuff out like that. Is, I guess what I'm saying in the script. I just know when you see the Chicago skyline, if you squint your eyes it's every city on earth 
Maybe that's why they do it. <laughs> anyway, we cut to her back home with her roommate where we reveal that she doesn't live in Chicago. She was just there for the weekend to see her boyfriend and find an apartment, which is why we find how we found out she has a boyfriend. Basically. Yes. Fiance. Yeah. A fiance. And she's just like, well, I actually met someone. And instead of her roommate being like, holy shit, what are you doing? You're you have a boyfriend. The roommate's like, tell me about it. I'm like, yay. Absolutely. Well, they're just roommates. They're not friends. Yeah, that's Clearly, fair. they're not friends because she's like, give me the tea. Like, she wants the drama. She's not trying to help her friend make good decisions. She's trying to ruin her roommate's life. She's like, Abby, tell me everything about this new beau. Fuck your fiance. It's like if I had run up to you guys at the club last night and been like, two different dudes in plaid shirts want to rail me in behind this club, guys. And you were like, Good for you. I know. <laughs> like I did. I scared them off. I do. I had to. I had to peacock my jacket out wider to get them out of there. That's the war dance, Mikey. I think what scared them off was when you you fully jumped into my arms twice. Twice. Well, I saw that girl do it to her boyfriend behind us. I don't think that was her boyfriend. Can we? No, it definitely was. Do you want to pause and talk about this girl for yeah. a second? Because holy shit, what? I was so fascinated. I referenced her earlier because she's the reason I went to the bathroom. There, there was a woman who was wearing like a crop top brown shirt. She was just and wearing jeans, a crop top right? and jeans. She wasn't wearing anything particularly weird. She looked of the 90s, not just yes. at a 90s club. She was on But so theme. did a lot of people. She fit in with yes. she looked like everybody. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing about the way she looked that made her stand out. What made her stand out right. was she clearly was there with her boyfriend who was not dancing. But she was dancing up with every guy she could in front of her boyfriend. Todd, I don't know if that was her boyfriend. Oh shit, is this about to get a, like a dark after school kind of talk? <laughs> no, no, I could not figure out if he was just one guy that she knew and she knew multiple guys and that's what was happening or because of her moves, because that girl could fucking move, if she was perhaps a professional dancer and this was a friend and that was how she danced with everybody or if as a couple he likes to see her sexually involved with other people that's what my guess would be that's what i that was kind of my guess as well but it did seem that that there was one dude that she danced with a lot but then there were other dudes that she seemed to be meeting immediately and then potentially like getting it yeah. on the dance floor. Like grinding up on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the, what happened to me right before I was like, I have to go to the bathroom and get away from the situation was her, let's just say boyfriend, because that's the guy she kept going back to, was on the dance floor talking to her. Uh -huh. She then pulled her shirt out, not up, out. And he slid his hand under her shirt and grabbed her boob. And that's when I was like, well, that happened three feet away from me. And I'm going to go somewhere else for a while and think about what I've done to end me in this situation. I ain't mad at that. That's just love. But <laughs> <laughs> that's just love. Listen, I just don't want to be involved. That's all I'm saying. What I was concerned about was him like glaring and drinking while she took on two or three at a time on the dance floor. And I was like. That girl can move. This yeah. seems funnier when you realize I'm just like jiggling a bit in the background and pointing at people. And then yes. shaking your finger like, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then you saw her jump onto someone's like. She jumped into multiple people's arms and they did not seem to be people that she had come with or knew well. Yeah. And then Mikey did that to me twice. I don't Except think Except what saw Mikey that. could not do is what this woman did, which was this. This is what made me think potentially professional dancer because she locked her ankles and. 
and then would like undulate like a snake. And I was like, girl, your abs must be ridiculous. Like, wow. I saw a lot of women doing that specifically at this club. Well, but she was doing it in the air, like jump up in the air. Okay. Legs wrapped around someone's waist. Yeah. And I was just like, how are you doing reverse cowgirl standing up? Like, how is what is happening? It's always impressive when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I was too busy with my eyes closed dancing. I, I was too busy looking over my shoulder for the platos. Mind you, this is like 2.45 a.m. And we are making all kinds of bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, not me. I'm dancing by myself. I make good decisions. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean like going to that club in the first place. No, that was a great decision. Yeah. We get in line at like 2 a.m. And he's like, we close in an hour. Like, are you three serious about this? or? Yeah. I've never been so shamed by the person at the door because of my own desire to enter the club that he is being paid at. I mean, he pretty much was like, you three are adults, so <laughs> why are you here? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say this. If I had walked up, he'd have been like, no, that makes sense. You can come in. But you were the first person there, and he was like, sir, you're wearing a blazer? A blazer? You have better things to do than anything taking place behind this door. And I told him, I said, as a businessman, I have to cut loose every now and then. Um, I think... <laughs> I think my favorite part was we arrived there along with a bunch of the other people who'd been with us at karaoke from the film festival, right? Yes. And so you've you've got like a whole film festival worth of people dancing like it's a junior high dance where they're in friend circles. Oh, yeah. And we just invaded the space of the people who were at this club that's open till three in the morning who were like (laughs) trying to impregnate each other on the dance floor. And they're all just like, fresh meat. And then all of us were just like, no, friend circle dances. And it was very confusing for everyone, I think. Yeah, a a lot of the Panic Fest people came in with like a real church dance kind of (laughs) energy. Church dance energy? And everyone else was like... Bumping and grinding. <laughs> like it's dude, it's almost three. We gotta find out who's going home with who. And y'all are just confusing the mix. And I was just trying to keep myself out of the mix. Anyway, back to this movie. So her her roommate is just like, get that strange. Uh great. <laughs> She's like, blow up your life. I just had to stop paying for cable because I lost my job. So I want to ruin your life so I can watch the drama. She also says, like, we connected more in five minutes than Paul and I have in a year, which is alarming because the five minutes that we saw them connect was not romantic in the slightest. It was <laughs> so unromantic. Uh, I dried up like a desert. <laughs> but we cut to his office where they have their initial pitch meeting with Reebok and they pitch one idea, it doesn't go great. Then they pitch his idea that she again did all the work on without telling him. Well, and this is the, the scene where it's trying to imply that it's like, her being a scummy like co-worker or whatever but he clearly put them on a team together she when the presentation of the initial idea doesn't go well she saves the account by presenting an idea that they had in a former strategy session that she did all the work to put together and when she presented it she said we yeah implying that they both had come up with it together so the fact that like the movie then in later scenes is like wasn't that shitty of her to do like no it wasn't it was shitty of her boss not to recognize that she said we and only give her sole credit but that's not on her yeah absolutely And at this point, he then goes to the copier. This is the one weird voiceover section of the movie where he's like, so fucking stupid, the copier. I don't know what to do. And then he starts singing the on the line song. Yes. That we, this is the only place we hear it in the movie. 
But this is where he gets kind of the idea for more flyers. So he puts all the flyers up and everything because he copied them on work time and somehow doesn't get fired for that. <laughs> he does. I mean, we see him making them on the copier that um, does. Ben Stiller's dad is having sex with. But yeah, did you print out four reams of paper like and 15 cartridges of toner or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> he definitely would have gotten in trouble. Yeah. One time I accidentally ordered 15,000 brochures for at work and it became a line item on the budget and I did not get into trouble. But like I did accidentally order seven thousand dollars worth of brochures. It happens. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. He puts up the flyers. People see the flyers all over. They're calling him. It's causing a stir. And a reporter at the local paper, who also turns out to be the guy who stole his girl back in the day, gets asked to write a story on the flyers. Yes. And and they're like, it's this guy. And he's like, that guy and I have history. And we have this weird flashback of like a time where I guess Lance Bass stole his girl. That's not but how not it goes really, down, though. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. Really not how it's happens. really just the girl he asked to prom in high school did a really shitty thing. And didn't say no necessarily, but made a show of asking Lance Bass to the prom right in front of him. And then when Lance, who did not know she had just been asked by somebody else, said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. She turns around and very, like, in a shitty way is like, no, I'm going with Lance, fuck off, or whatever. Like, that's not at all Lance's fault. It doesn't make any sense to me why this reporter hates Lance Bass's character. I think the movie thinks it explains it to you. But it really doesn't. No. no. And that's almost as funny to me is that the movie's like, got it? And you're like, no. Well, I turned to y'all like two times and I'm like, are we sure that they're the same people from the two different parts they of high are. school? They are. Like, because they, they identify that guy by name yeah. in the original, like in the first scene and then later on as the movie goes. So like, we know it's the same guy, which is bonkers. And... This guy gets his own story for some reason, and he continually updates the newspaper with just like how his search for her is going, which is real dumb. Well, yeah, because he's trying to expose the scam of it all, which right. it actually does turn into a scam. So like people do take interest and yeah. Lance Bass gets sort of like pre-me tooed in some weird way. Yeah, in he this gets movie. kind of weirdly canceled. Yeah. yeah. Um so which we haven't gotten to yet. So like, but he is doing this out of spite because he stole Lance Bass's girlfriend in high school. Well, that's the thing. It's like Lance Bass believes that he stole his girlfriend because Lance Bass was too chicken to say how he felt. Right. This guy then believes that Lance Bass stole a completely different girl, which he didn't. That girl was just like kind of played them against each other and Lance Bass didn't know any better. Yeah. So like it makes no sense and it's strange that they include it. It is. But he basically just kind of updates as the search goes of like, he can't find anybody or he's a fraud or any number of things. And we'll cover it as we go. But like, it's just a weird D plot in a movie that can't even handle its A plot. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we cut back and forth between a restaurant where Emmanuel Chiriqui is meeting with her fiance and he's ignoring her and answering the phone. And it looks like she's going to break up with him, but he gives her all green tickets, which is so insane. Like, he is being a terrible boyfriend in this scene. Like you would understand why she would break up with him based on this alone. And then he saves the relationship by buying her Al Green tickets. Right. And so she's like, oh, well then I guess I'm back in it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen this play out in real life. Yeah, <laughs> of oh, course you sure. have, Mikey. Like, yeah, who hasn't? But it's still like 
really like <laughs> more with co-workers who were like i'm so miserable and then they're like well we booked a trip oh yeah that that is all <laughs> but then the trip is miserable <laughs> i was like oh my god but we cut over to lance bass who gets a call from who he thinks is Emmanuel Chiriqui and goes to meet her as a at the diner. And it's a completely random girl who's just like, I could feel that we have a connection. Which, by the way, someone who's never met you, just being like, we have a connection. We've never talked or anything. I just know. Run. Yeah. That person wants to wear your skin. <laughs> Were you a girl? Jumping into the laps of multiple people at a 90s dance club last night. Oh, no. I felt a connection across the room while I point and wagged my she finger at beautiful. you. She was beautiful. I mean, I was just wild where I was like, no one's getting jealous. No one's throwing punches. Okay. All right, girl, you do you. We were in Kansas City, and there's no place like home like you felt that one hour that I spent next to you while you grinded. What the on hell random did men. you even say, Mikey? You that almost word had salad it. It was, was so, so close. strange. <laughs> it was so close. Like I could tell where you were going, but like I think you just like kept going, and you should have stopped after the word home. It was great. Though. I'll I loved get it. you, my pretty. <laughs> home is where your hanging parts are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's not her. And he very quickly is like, oh, I guess if you just put your phone number out, anyone could call it. Seems like a bad idea. And so this is the first time where his friends are like, you should let us take the dates for you. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, the way they say it in this scene, and even when he agrees to do it in the very sort of convoluted way he does, I thought that they were going to like screen them and be like, okay, I need to know what he looks like so we know that you're the real person. I thought they were going to do right. that job for him because he is getting like shitloads of calls all day, every right. day. And that like logically made sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> but the, what they do is they are going to pretend to be him, assuming that that woman is also pretending to be, you know, the actual girl from the train. Right. So that they're just going to go along with the charade to get chalet. And that to me is really <laughs> shitty. Oh, it's super <laughs> shitty. Well, and, and that doesn't quite enter in yet. That's a little bit later, but that's right. what they want. They just yes. want a way to get laid. And like, so word gets out. The newspaper thing goes out. Reebok wants to make him the head of the team, even though he's done zero work at this point. Right. But they want the passion on their team, not their company. That's too close. They want <laughs> yeah. their passion for Reebok on a different company working with them. Well, I mean, it's, it's an ad company, so that makes sense. But the fact that they were like, no, no, no. I know this other lady did all the work and did the presentation, but we want the guy that's in the newspaper. Like, it's ridiculous. But it is played because he is in the newspaper. Like, it is not because he has done anything necessarily great at work. No. Nope. It's because he has been okay to make himself look a fool at a chance for love, and that is, like, very admirable or whatever. So, like, everyone wants to be a part of that. I guess. Well, and they also play her, the, the other ad executive, as like a jealous bitch. And I was like, no, no, no. She's being consistently passed over for actual work yeah. because of a guy that happens to be in the right place at the right time with no previous skills. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. She's not being passed up for the work. She's being passed up for the promotion. She's doing literally yes. all the work. All the work. <laughs> and they're treating her like shit. 
Yeah. Yes. And this is also the kind of section where we first see Richie Sambora on TV and we have like no information about it, but Joey Fatone is upset for some reason. Yeah. It's really like he's on TRL Live or some show like it, you know, and they're saying, right. hey, The Mick, you just broke your last record for longest <laughs> single at number <laughs> one for 26 weeks or whatever, which is fucking yeah. half a year. There's no half way a year. that's whatever. I'm sure there have been songs that have done that. Oh, but, oh I, absolutely. There have yeah, been songs but like, like that. Yeah. Not a Richie Sambora song, maybe a Bon Jovi no. song, but like not a Richie Sambora solo album song. You know what I'm saying? So last couple of years, there have been songs like this that have jockeyed for top position. But part of how they do it is by releasing remixes. And so it's technically a new song, but it's the same song. And so it stays. So like Bad Guy by Billie Eilish was on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, Taylor Swift usually has one or two that are on for weeks. Old Town Road was on forever. Like recently, it's more common, oddly enough, to have a song stay at number one longer. But it's because of those remixes. The remixes that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, but they're really just establishing the Mick here and the fact that Joey Fatone likes to talk a big game, but would sell out in a heartbeat. Because in this scene, he's referring to the Mick as like, oh, he ain't got no passion. He ain't got no love for the fight or love for music or whatever. He's just doing it for money or whatever. But later in this movie, he's like, no, I love I love you when he's like giving him a record deal. It's crazy. Beep, beep, yeah. beep, 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 beep. This just in. Oh, Mikey breaking in with that. What I'm assuming is a love is blind update. No, 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 no. Oh. This is a TRL fun fact. Oh, oh, shit. The record was 61 days as the number one requested video. Oh, on TRL? Uh-huh. Yeah. Held by Shape of My Heart. Holy uh, sh- shit! Wait, really? Shape of my heart is that in sync or is it Backstreet Boys? Well, who, which one had Nick Carter in it? That's Backstreet, That's Backstreet Boys. Boys. That's Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so we cut to they're at a baseball game and their friend, one of their friends, is working like the concession stand and gets hit in the dick with a ball, and so they end up on TV and she misses it while watching the game. But okay, hang on. It was Sammy Sosa who hit that who ball. Who hits him, yes. Who we talked about, I think, last week or the week before last week. <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> there was a race, Sammy there's Sosa. a racist joke about S- Sammy Sosa in uh, Return to Me. Yeah. yeah. And in this, it said over the announcements in the stadium, and Sammy Sosa has a line referring to how it's the third time he's hit that dude in the nuts. This season. Yeah. The third time this season. And if you got hit in the nuts once with a baseball that had been hit in like a baseball, like a professional baseball game, it probably would destroy all your hanging meats is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could take you from a beef to a shrimp. That's for sure. There's no way it doesn't look like cauliflowered ear. Like there's just no way it doesn't look nuts down there. Well, it was already nuts down there. <laughs> so much nuts. There's so they talk about nuts and hot dogs so much in this film. It's like the director knew and wanted to give like a wink and a nod to us future generations. Uh, at one point, they throw hot dogs into each other's mouths, and I was like, "Huh, this seems." Wait, does that actually? I'm. I did not see that. My Mikey's not joking. What? That happened. When? When they set up the grill in the outfield. Yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. You're right, though. Todd, that's when Mikey and I were like, there's so much wiener and nut talk in this movie. Oh, and and in this scene, Joey Fatone is eating a hot dog. Remember? Yes. yes, That's what we're talking about. Yeah, when it's revealed that he is the guy, that Lance Bass is the guy from the articles that are being written in the newspaper, the woman behind them is like, oh, I think that's so romantic or whatever. My daughter is single. Does she eat meats? And then he just like deep throats a hot dog. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Joey said. 
says to the woman to get her to stop talking to them, which is wild. But yeah, this is one of the scenes that prominently features a hot dog. Yes. So then immediately after we've hit GQ in the nuts, uh, we cut to the office where the reporter is working on the story and his assistant slash girlfriend slash confusing relationship walks up to him with Chinese food and just says, do you want some nuts on your Chinese? And then pours like cashews into his Chinese yeah, food. Yeah, do you want notes on your noodles? And he's like, I don't care. And then there's like so much nuts. Yeah, she pours like half a bowl of cashews into those noodles. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he writes a new article that just says loser has no dates. Like, because he's just updating or whatever. But he wants to try and get his girlfriend to interview him. So he has her call the number. That's going to come back later. Yeah. We cut to a montage of him getting letters, getting phone calls, and all while wearing the same leather jacket he's been wearing this entire movie. He only has one jacket, guys. He really only has like three outfits in this whole movie. Yeah, three outfits in this whole movie. Uh, We cut to them playing baseball just together as a group. And this is where they set up a grill in the outfield and throw hot dogs into each other's mouths. Yeah. While also, like, we literally just came off another bowl of nuts as he's answering the phone. And then they're throwing hot dogs into each other's mouths. And this scene is so weird because they're talking about the woman on the L with his friends, right? Right. And it's like they're playing baseball. There's someone who's playing catcher. Joey's got the bat and Lance is throwing the the pitch, right? And Joey, like, hits the ball into the outfield and they run out there for it. And it's just a guy at a grill. Yeah. They never go get that ball. They just stop at the <laughs> grill to get food and to throw meat in each other's mouths. It was weird. It was so weird. I hate baseball, though. That does sound more fun than baseball. But also, I feel like it's not a surprise that people are going to give up on the nuts to work the shafts. You know what I mean? I mean, it's been my experience. That that's They're not chasing how it goes. balls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're working that pipe. Yeah. Anyway, this is where they're like, please let us go on the dates. And he's like, no. So we cut to the Al Green concert. So we know that she had tickets. Yes. His friend got him in. And it's actual Al Green. Yes. Like literal alive Al Green. But also, this is one of many scenes in which Lance Bass's hair has changed color. Yeah. Because it's a mess up there. It's a mood ring. Yeah. Yeah, it's his hair is a mood ring. We cut to they're enjoying the concert. She's outside waiting for her boyfriend who has never showed up. I felt so bad for her in this whole movie, man. Like Yeah. <laughs> because her boyfriend like stands her up. Like he is the world's worst. Actually, we have not been calling him this. He's the fiance. Mikey's been correcting yes. us. Right. Yeah. He is the fiance and he's like just not even considering her at all. Well, and also, if you got concert tickets, for someone and you were supposed to go I don't know how you end up having a meeting that day that you you have to meet like I, I guess it stuff happens it could be a last minute whatever <laughs> I have a meeting my grandmother's dying and I have to meet with her before she passes is basically well, the only excuse at that point it's also nighttime yeah and so we had a theory that he was cheating on her and it's just not on the camera like I'm not on the screen but like for some context my work was like hey we would really like it if you could go to New Orleans for a conference. And I said, that's very nice, but I have Elton John tickets. And they were like, have fun at Elton John. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, like I don't, it's Al Green. <laughs> like, of course they would let you go. Right. Yeah. If not, you're an asshole. If you're like, well, I got my fiance concert tickets and she came in town to see Al Green, 
but you know we got to meet about our kpis i'd be like i've got concert tickets i have to go yeah what it's so crazy so she is now alone at the concert meanwhile it turns out lance bass and gq's tickets are fake so they get thrown out and they miss each other yeah this is very much like the oh see they're they were always supposed to be together fate was just you know setting it up or whatever the adjustment bureau of it all yeah, yeah this is the adjustment bureau of it all yeah we cut to him on the train the next day where he has a dream sequence that she's there but she's not and he's on the phone and he gets to work he ends up on the phone with his friends who are like please let us take the dates and he in thinking that he's talking to his boss he says yes to his boss but they over the phone take that as a yes and his boss is like real in his face about something so it's like yeah and he's holding the phone in the other hand so like i sort of understand what they were trying to do here but it's like insane that they would want to do it this like it made me so mad that they weren't just like screening the ladies yeah. calling in for him that they were actively lying to them i was like why would you do this well and then we have like a 20 minute montage of it yes of them with all these other girls until emmanuel chiroqui sees the flyer and calls in and they schedule a date with her and then we get more more of a montage of like Joey Fatone spraying Banaka on his dick and like all kinds of stuff. And one of them is a teenager until finally GQ ends up on a date with Emmanuel Chiriqui. Yeah, with the actual girl from the train. Yeah. Right. And she's like, you're not the guy. Like, I met that guy. It's not you. And they're like, oh, my God, you're the real one because you know it's not us. Right. <laughs> so my least favorite part of this movie is the friend's plan or whatever because they very easily could have changed it a little bit and made it work where like they right. answered and was like hey we're his friends and a lot of people who are not the trained person have been calling so we're going to meet up with you first to filter out and then you know get to know you or whatever that's exactly what right. it should have been right? right 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 but it's not it's just them banging chicks yeah it's terrible <laughs> which they probably still would have done in the other way right well and so this is where the newspaper guy finds out it's a scam because his girlfriend went on a date with Joey Fatone obviously yeah uh, so so Reebok takes him off the campaign. Uh, and then at this point, his friends are like, so should we tell him that we found the right girl? But by then, she's already pissed because obviously that's gross. Well, yeah. I mean, sh and he is essentially getting canceled in the newspapers because the reporter yeah. sent his girlfriend to like check out this dating thing. Like where is he really looking for her or is he just using this to get dates kind of a thing, right? Right. And because she returns from her date with Joey Fatone and looks like she has been hit by a truck, right? he now knows that it's fake. So he writes a review. We eventually do find out what happened to her, but the way that he was not at all concerned for her when he saw that she had been, what I'm assuming is decimated on that date like it is clear <laughs> with how much she wants to see joey fatone again and her current state that he is rocking a beef spice packet a hardcore beef yeah. spice yes. packet well that's what a troll doll would carry i mean maybe that, that'd be like a little troll tripod but like what we get <laughs> in this very next scene is he explains what happened and he has his trademark thing of kicking the amp, which is stupid. Don't kick amps. Um, but he accidentally kicked an amp into her face, which injured her badly. And, and it like broke her nose and her ankle. And he feels bad about it. Uh, but now they have to tell Lance Bass what happened, right? Right. And now that he has lost the job, the Reebok thing, the other woman who has done all the work up till this point um, is having to work on the copier. He's having to kind of work in the mailroom. 
we find out that uh, Jerry Stiller's character has had a heart attack and is yeah. now in kind of like a convalescent home. Yeah. Yeah, because the Cubs lost. They do really make it the Cubs' fault that he had a yeah. heart attack. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I get that the Cubs were still going through their like losing streak, right? Right. During this, like they hadn't broken it yet or whatever, but like, whatever. Why would an old man blame his heart condition on the Cubs? Like, I mean, I'm sure that that's happened, but Chicago, I guess. I don't know. I guess. But this is also where we start getting everyone saying we all messed Kevin over. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, this is nonsense. I mean, they all did mess Kevin over, but it's weird that they're saying it that way. We messed them over, guys. It's weird. But this is where they're like, we're going to make our own flyers that are no different from the other flyers except for a line drawing to get her back. And they start making speeches on the train and she's on the train for one of them. Oh my God. The fact that they were walking around saying, have you seen this woman? And it was like a stick figure. Like, yeah, I couldn't handle it. Terminator two did it better. Yeah. <laughs> like, Have you seen this boy? Uh, but <laughs> so he goes and talks to Jerry Stiller, who gives him the ball that he caught the day he met his wife which we never see again and never comes back into play. It's so weird that that is in this movie. It like nobody had cared about baseball until like 30 seconds ago in the movie. I, I kind of had my red flag tingling if he was a widow and then started giving away his like close possessions. I was like, oh, we should yeah. check on him. Yeah. Well, he's been a widow for a long time, it seemed. But yes, we we find out that the other woman who's worked on the Reebok campaign got promoted to senior exec. And now she wants Lance Bass back on the campaign to basically work for her. Yeah. I don't know why. He's bringing nothing to the table, but sure. Right. He probably hasn't been at work in weeks because he's actively being canceled. But I thought it was great that she eventually got promoted. I mean, she should have been promoted forever ago, but. Yeah. Well, and this is where he spends, what, like $300,000 on, on billboards? <laughs> yes. As an ad exec, he discovers the powerful nature of billboards in 2001. This makes this movie feel very like 90s or early 2000s because I mean billboards still are powerful, but I mean they he are, does, but they're so expensive. Yeah, and he's an ad guy, and he picked those color that color scheme for it, which was terrible. And then actually, Mikey, fun fact: yellow and black are the most eye catching. So like the brief amount of time I had to do graphic design stuff in high school when I was in art class. That got drilled into me. So, like, there's a reason that Armando used yellow and black when we did Colt Podcast the other day or why we've used yellow and red. His color scheme is actually what would th what they would probably use. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, I wouldn't sign my name with a pink heart. Yeah, I mean, listen, the evidence was there the entire <laughs> time. Like, we yeah. knew. We knew. He does uh, hearts instead of dots on his eyes. I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, some people just have flair. Anyway... <laughs> He goes to the paper airplane spot. She like the news is there. Everyone's there reporting on it. But she does meet him there. And as that's happening, the Mick shows up at Joey Fatone's show and is like, I got this demo tape because apparently Lance Bass gave it to him in a scene that is not in the movie. We don't see that. But like he does say like the Mick says someone who shall remain nameless gave it to me. And then Joey goes, it was Lance Bass. <laughs> Which like, we, how did he what? meet the Mick? Yeah. How did any of this happen? Like nobody knows. I guess we're just supposed to expect that the Mick was interested in the L like woman conspiracy or whatever, and then reached out. But we ne we never see any of that play out. It's just like so weirdly tacked into this for no reason. Well, the L means elevated stakes. I thought it meant just the stakes. Oh, the L stakes. <laughs> That's my restaurant. 
I, I'd go to an L Steaks restaurant. Uh, Emmanuel Chiriqui shows up. She and Lance Bass kiss. Oh wait, did we talk about like how like the press all show up and like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they're all there waiting. Yeah, they take all yeah, they're all yeah. there. And like, it seems like she's gonna stand him up, but no, she shows up. Of course, her fiance got the point if she didn't tell him. Yeah, for sure. I, okay. I think she did just off. Stage. I think <laughs> that we could have like solved the fiance question for me if he was just watching TV and was like. What the fuck? <laughs> and then, but I mean, because he's treated her so badly, I don't give a shit if she doesn't tell him whatever. You know, like I would be fine with her breaking up with him that way, but whatever. I think she broke up with him the night of the concert. We just don't get She should have, but she might have gone to his place and been like, listen, I don't think I can be with someone like this who doesn't obviously respect my time. And, you know, you know, you set up this whole awesome date with Al yeah, Green yeah. and didn't show up. And I'm afraid that he'd be like, but Elton John is coming next month. And I bought us <laughs> tickets for that. So like, I cried when I saw Elton John <laughs> in the concert. So you know what? I respect her staying with him if Elton John tickets are on the table. Yeah, exactly. Because she and her mind would be like, man, I do want to see Crocodile Rock once live before he dies. So um, He played it. It was of great. Course it, it was. was goodbye, goodbye Yellow Brick Road is what made me cry. I would have fucking cried oh, for yeah. goodbye. Yeah. Anyway. We cut to a party <laughs> where they're dancing in the streets with Al Green. Literally during the credits. And, yeah. 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 During the, the credits. You know. We break out of that into a very strange skit that we can't decide if it was improv or written, in which Justin Timberlake and Chris Kirkpatrick, one of the other members of NSYNC, uh, play very stereotyped effeminate makeup artists. I can tell you how this happened. I can tell you exactly how this happened. Todd's got his hand raised. So I guarantee you they were just like, no, we're funny. We're a lot of fun on the on the tour bus. We'll just like yep. riff. We'll yep. just riff on the yep. day and come up with something funny. And they did riff on the day. And whether they came up with something funny is... Well, I would say Debatable. today it's it not questionable. Funny? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It may have been yeah. kind of funny in 2001 just because... I don't think so even then. I think, I think it's, it's worse because they probably knew he was in the closet. Oh, God. Uh, Justin definitely did. Because, like, now we have found out later from, like, people talking. And Chris probably did, too. Late now, in, in 2023 Beyonce's America, we know that they all probably knew at this point and were helping him hide it because they're his friend. You know, like, yeah. people aren't ready to come out until they're ready to come out. And it's like, he was so famous because the band was so famous. Like... I fully understand not wanting to come out, especially then when it was not as friendly to do so. Like, I get it. But yeah, now knowing that they knew, it takes on a whole weird vibe. Yeah. Right, it takes on a weird vibe. I don't vibe. love I'm it. Like, oh, that's a choice. Yeah, uh, but then we come back to the, the street thing with Al Green and then randomly one of the friends who has not expressed any musical, anything throughout the entire movie, raps over an Al Green song in the street. Uh, I'm sorry, Paige. Um, he was their drummer in their high school band. And Whatever. as a drummer who also likes to dabble in, you know, rap, I really dug it. it here's the thing. Oh, He's not terrible. You're just like, this comes out of fucking nowhere. Uh, and then the song ends. And, and that's the and movie. So I've seen the movie and we talked about the movie. What did you guys think about On the Line? Strange and indecipherable. It does ride that yes. line. <laughs> if you have friends that you know you could talk to during watching this movie and like just be <laughs> yes. silly with watching this movie, this movie's a, a lot of fun. Yes. If you don't have that support system in your life, avoid this movie like the plague. 
I think I would have had fun watching this. It's so goofy. It is very goofy. I don't know, man. This is a different type of Mikey movie romance because it's like a lot of big people. I'm sure it costs money. They swung for it. It was terrible and, and bonkers in weird ways. I enjoyed it. I cannot wait to talk to you about box office. But before we get to it, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I have very few. And and that's oh. evidence for how much even the people who are in this movie don't talk about this movie. Well, here it is with your fun facts. In sync. Fun, fun facts. facts. Oh, okay. okay. Because fun I actually, facts. usually IMDb has a ton. And then I usually sometimes will pull from other places. There aren't even other places. And IMDb has like five of them. And I've already given you one of them. And one of them is just that they were in the band in sync. And I was like, yeah, I don't think anyone who watched this didn't know that. Yeah, this movie made the amount of money it made because of that. Right. Now, this is also technically because of the skit at the end, Justin Timberlake's feature film debut. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm happy to hear that. But wow. He's gone on to do many other things. And I would yes. say acting wise, he's a better better bet than Lance usually. But um, those are basically your fun facts. Oh, wow. Okay. I honestly feel like Justin's done some great stuff acting wise. Yeah. All right. Well, Paige, thank you for those fun facts. Let's talk a little bit about box office. Yeah, box so office. So what do you think the production budget was for On the Line in 2001 when it came out? I'm going to say $3 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think it was? $25 million. Oh, my God. Oh, that would be upsetting. That would be upsetting. But it was $10 million, which is oh. way more oh. than it should be, right? And, yes, Mikey, yeah. not that you were still close, but if you adjust for inflation, you're closer at $17 million today. If you adjust for inflation. But in 2001, again, it was a $10 million budget. This movie came out. The weekend of October 26th, 2001, and its premiere weekend, it was 11th in the, in the theaters. Now, <laughs> <laughs> we knew it was bad when it came out. Yeah, it was beat by K-Pax. Number two was 13 Ghosts. <laughs> Number three was From Hell. Everyone loved From Hell, though. That was a big one because that's the uh, Jack the Ripper. It was in its second week and it was still third. So, yeah. Oh, we've never yeah. done that on our version. We have not. Uh, number four that week was Riding in Cars with Boys. And number five uh, was Training Day. Oh. And then there was a bunch of other movies. And then number 11 on the list was On the Line. Can I just say this really quick? Corky yes. Romano oh, was nine this week. And it was in its <laughs> third week. Oh, no. Yeah, so Corky <laughs> Romano in its third week did better than On the Line did in its first week. What do you think On the Line made in its opening weekend? And I'll give you a hint. It's more than you think it is. I'm going to say $2 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? $7 million. Okay. I think I may have thrown you off with my hint because it was- 300000 No, it was $2.3 million. Hell yeah. I was super close. You were very, very close, Paige. It was hard for me not to tip you off when uh, you guessed that. If you adjust that for inflation, that's almost $4 million in an opening weekend, which is not good for this movie, but- no. It is not bad for being in 11th place, right? Yeah, yeah, But yeah, whatever, yeah. it's fine. Uh, it didn't do great in theaters, let's just put it that way, because it was only in theaters for a total of four weeks. It came out on October 26th, and its last weekend was literally the weekend of November 16th. Ooh. It was never in the top 10. Uh, in its last two weeks, it wasn't even in the top 20. What do you think this movie made in its four weeks in the domestic box office? 
I think it only made five million total, but I bet it cleaned up in home box office. I'm gonna say four. Okay, Mikey, you are very close. Uh, and Paige, honestly, you're pretty close too because you guessed five. It made four point three million dollars domestically. Now, <laughs> this movie actually did make money though. Yeah. Because internationally, it made eleven point eight million dollars oh, no. at the box <laughs> oh my God. office. So it made $16.2 million worldwide, which again, over a $10 million budget. So it technically did make money at the box office. And if you adjust that $16 million, it's roughly the amount of $27 million today. Do we have home market? I don't know. It, it didn't, it doesn't track home market for movies that are that old. It's, it's sort of like a sweet yeah. spot between like 2004 and 2012 ish that it tracks yeah. home market performance. Cause now it doesn't cause it's all streaming right. and it didn't before it because it just didn't collect that data. So, which is, is wild, but I bet I bet, Bet this cleaned up in home market because this is I mean, they rewrote it from R to PG for the tween market who were into sync, who I'm sure all bought this on DVD. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. bet this made plenty of money on DVD. Yeah, because this is no worse than like a straight to DVD or straight to video like Mary Kate and Ashley Ashley Olsen movie. Exactly. Yeah. Except that like adults made this movie and, you know, I those know. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's movies were like two kids who may have been exploited. Like, I wonder how they feel about probably. all that. I'm going to say probably. I mean, I'm sure the adults still made the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but like the actors on the screen. You know what I'm Mary saying? Kate like, and Ashley yes. were just like a two-man team of producer. Like, you know, like, set the camera up. We're going to record it. A lot of people don't know, but they actually were the executive producers behind Full House. <laughs> anyway, that's your box office. So, Mike, do you want to hit him with that romance scale? Yeah, romance scale is how romantic we found the film today when we watched it. Scale of one to ten. Page? One. One. Todd? I would love to give this a zero, but a one because we can't go negative. Like, yeah. I'm going right. to go one as well, but two if you're, like, hungry for hot dogs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a romance scale. Yeah. So, uh, this week, Paige, you made us watch On the Line. Mikey, what are you making us watch next week as we continue what I can only assume is some bonkers Tom Cruise madness? Uh, Tom Cruise Spring is what I'm calling this section. Hell yeah. Spring into Cruise. And yeah. we're going to do Far and Away. Mikey, you've teased that you may be doing this movie, and I'm so happy you're doing this movie. I don't know if it's good or not anymore. Have you ever seen The Gangs of New York? Yes. This is better than that. Yes. And by better than that, let's just say it's like the rom-com version of that, but takes itself as seriously as Gangs of New York does. Controversial take. I have never thought Gangs of New York was that good. I never liked Gangs of New York. Me either. Yeah. I'm making fun of gang, Gangs of New York because it takes itself way too seriously for the it script does. It, it does. It does indeed. Yes. Yeah. This is a movie that has that same vibe where it takes itself too seriously for the script it has, but it's like a rom-com version of that. All right. I hope it holds up. I watched this a shitload as a kid. I got to be honest with you. I'm excited about it. But your homework for next week is to, I don't know, flee Ireland because of a blight of potatoes and then watch Far and Away and come back next week for that episode. Wait, we never did a romance scale for Return to Me. Should we do one now? I'm going to give it like a five. Oh, man. I'm going to give it a six. I cried I'll, a I'll, lot in that movie. I love I'll yeah. give it a five. I'll give it a five. Yeah. I honestly probably would have given it higher the night we watched it, but because I had to watch on the line, I feel like everything gets dragged down because of it. I would have given it higher if 
we we could have had slightly more physical action interaction between them but even still yeah. it, i it ranks a five for me i get it i'd love to see mini driver and uh david duchovny get it on page mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm, giving my mm -hmm. heart palpitations just thinking about it but mikey do you have a review for us to read i do i do well mikey whose review are you gonna read this week i cannot find the remote as their username <laughs> okay. that's great good to have know have you checked the bowl of nuts and the, the title of the review is win a date with mikey randolph Oh, no. Oh, I love everything about this. Is it because they want this? us to do... Yes, it's because they want us to do Todd Win a Hamilton. date with Tad uh -huh. Hamilton? Yeah. <laughs> I've never laughed so hard while grocery shopping until I li uh, listened to this power thruple. Well, thank you for that distinction. Thank you. Yeah. Paige, Todd, and Mikey have the most contagious laughs, insightful perspectives, oh. and make us realize how toxic and problematic most, if not all, romantic films are. It's pretty much all, I think. Yeah, if you are most. looking for laughs and overall entertainment, this is the podcast for you. Personally, I like my mignon medium rare. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Support <laughs> it. I see a lot of you guys out there are environmentalists. <laughs> also, whenever the day comes that you do win a date with Tom Hamilton, I am ready for it. Hope you have a wonderful day. Five stars. I do eventually, I want to do Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. I have actually never seen it, but I was at church camp the <gasps> summer it came out. It was big. It was big. And there was a guy who like, you know, in high school, there are some people that just develop faster than others and they look like fucking adults and you look like children. Yeah, I do know what that's like, even <laughs> at this late stage in my life. There was a dude from another church in Long Beach who straight up looked 32 and gorgeous. And we called him Tad Hamilton all week. What grade was he really in? He was a senior, but he he like, he didn't talk to us. We we were invisible <laughs> to him. But just amongst ourselves to like identify, like that guy, that's who we're talking about. It was Tad Hamilton. I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, I can't find the remote. Thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn. It's, it. it's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at rampage wesley everywhere including tiktok except for twitter where she is at page wesley mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome everywhere and guys we got a p.o box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a p.o box it's actually not a p.o box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 Nolansville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. I'll be your Arby's now. Oh, God. He's bringing the meats. <laughs> the meat. Bye. On the line is Terrible Nerds. Oh.